I wanted the players to see the modeling of men who love their wives and love their children and love the Lord above all. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. Would you mind leaving us a review today? By leaving a review and a rating, it helps others to find us, and it would be a huge help. Using your favorite podcast platform, go to our show and leave a rating along with a review. I have the great pleasure and honor today to speak with a man who has impacted so many young men for Christ and is leaving a legacy as a great man and football coach. He has spent his life coaching and mentoring young men, teaching them not only how to play great football, but how to be better leaders in their homes, in their careers, and most importantly, how to follow Christ with their whole hearts. Today, I welcome Coach Mark Richt to Candid Conversations. Coach Richt began his football career at Miami as a quarterback, then served at Florida State University under Bobby Bowden as an offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Many of you here in Georgia know him as the head football coach of the University of Georgia for 15 years, and then at the University of Miami, his alma mater, for three. His teams have won two SEC championships, five SEC division titles, and one ACC division title. He was a two-time SEC Coach of the Year, the 2017 ACC Coach of the Year, and the winner of the National 2017 Walter Camp Coach of the Year Award. Mark Richt is retired from coaching and is now a television analyst for the ACC Network. Join me as Coach Richt and I talk football, his journey to faith, his passion for the younger generation, the setbacks he's endured, and his new book, Make the Call, Game Day Wisdom for Life's Defining Moments, which releases today. I will point out that this interview did take place before the passing of Coach Rick's mentor, Coach Bobby Bowden. Now, on to our Candid Conversation. All right. Well, my guest today on Candid Conversations is Coach Mark Richt. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time to come on to Candid Conversations. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Well, I think uh, I'd be remiss if I weren't to start uh, by asking how you're doing. We have saw in July 1st, you'd posted a tweet uh, that you've received a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease and wanted to just uh, check in with you and see how things are going. Well, I'm doing really well. Um, you know, Parkinson's, a lot of people don't understand it, but it's it's not a death sentence, number one, but it's a disease that uh, slowly tries to take away your movements and a little bit of your mind. Uh, but there's different stages of it. I'm in stage one. I'm capable of doing just about everything, just do it a little bit slower than usual. Sure. But um, if you do the right things, uh, if you're fortunate, uh, you can keep it in that stage one for quite some time. So that's the goal. But, uh, you know, whatever comes up, we'll deal with it. And you're still keeping busy with all your normal things, I'm sure. Yeah, I've stayed uh, busy doing a lot of speaking engagements. And, of course, the football season is about to crank up. So the uh, studio analyst job with the ACC Network is getting ready to go full speed. For sure. 
Well, when you made that public announcement, you didn't just say, by the way, I've, I've received this diagnosis. You threaded it with your hope, and that hope is in Christ. And you said, I, I consider this my light momentary affliction compared with the future glory in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for promising a future blessing of a glorified body that has no sin and no disease. So, Coach Rick, for those who may not know your full story, I've heard bits and pieces of your testimony. What is the foundations of your coming to faith in Christ? Well, I was a graduate assistant coach at Florida State in 1986. And uh, early in the season, there was an open date. Coach Bobby Bowden, the head coach at Florida State at the time, who's my boss, obviously, (laughs) allowed the players to go home for the weekend if they chose to. Some did, some didn't. A lot of them had stayed in town, went to a party on campus. Somebody pulled the fire alarm for whatever reason. Uh, Everybody ends up out in the parking lot. While in the lot, a local kid was driving through with a car full of buddies and almost hit a player. And there's a verbal confrontation there. And, of course, the little guy in the car wasn't about to jump out and try to fight the big football player, whose name was Pablo Lopez. Uh, He was a big six-foot-five, 285-pound tackle. Beautiful kid, just a really fun-loving guy. Everybody loved him on the team, but he had a hard edge, too, if he needed it. And uh, so this local kid got his feelings hurt, got his pride hurt in front of his buddies. So uh, he decided he was going to do something about it, went home, got a sawed-off shotgun, brought it back to the party, and got his buddies to get the players to come back out. And when Pablo came out with a bunch of the other guys, Kid pulled the gun out. Pablo kept walking, said, you're not going to shoot me, bro. And uh, he kept coming, and the guy panicked, pulled the trigger, and shot Pablo. And Pablo died before he even made it to the hospital. So you can imagine what that scene was like. And uh, the very next day was the day we were all supposed to report back anyway, getting ready for the next game. On that Sunday, Coach Bowden held a meeting. And um, I'm the young coach in the back of the room taking role and making sure the media's not sneaking around and all that. And, and uh, so Coach Bowden's talking to the team. You could tell he was hurt like everybody was. And uh, he said, man, I don't know where Pablo's going to spend eternity. I don't know where he was in his faith. He said, said, man, God loved you. He created you. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven. But the problem is when Adam sinned, sin entered all men. So we're born with a sin nature and we're really incapable of perfection, which is the standard for heaven. But the good news is God knew that and sent his son, Jesus to live that perfect life. And by the way, Jesus was born of the spirit, not of Adam. So he had no sin in his spirit, obviously lived a perfect life and was the, uh, the perfect sacrifice to pay for the sin that we have. I mean, there's a price that's got to be paid. God's a just God, and someone's going to pay for the sin, either us or it's going to be Jesus if we just accept that gift. So he said, "Men, Pablo used to sit in that seat that's empty there right now. He goes, you guys are 18 to 22 years old. You think you're going to live forever. Like Pablo thought he was going to live forever, but now he's gone. And he said, if that was you last night instead of Pablo, do you know where you'd spend eternity? And so he's talking to them, and I'm in the back of the room, and Holy Spirit's talking to me. Mm. And uh, I actually had a college roommate that planted some seeds and for Jesus. And I just 
wasn't ready to accept the gift back then because of a few things. I was worried about what my other friends would think. I was worried about what man thought, you know, rather than what yeah. God thought. Yeah. I thought I'd be a hypocrite if I became a Christian. I'd be perfect. And I was thinking there's some sins I couldn't quit. And then I right. still was very selfish wanting to um, do what I wanted to do. Still, I was afraid God might send me on a mission trip and I'd never come home. But right. So anyway, those seeds that were planted back in college came to fruition. So when Coach Bounds said that to the team, well, he invited the guys to come see him anytime they wanted to and to talk about that. And uh, so the very next day I knocked on his door and he said, come on in, buddy. Of course, he calls you buddy when he forgets your name. But <laughs> I went in there and uh, I told him, I said, I know you're talking to the players, Coach, but but I need Jesus. And uh, so I prayed to receive Christ with Coach right there in the office. Mm. Well, and obviously it was Coach Bowden who really set forth that gospel message for you. But, you know, I wonder, were there sort of other men behind the scenes who had an impact on you as a young Christian and a young coach? Well, you know, I was 15 years under Coach Bowden at Florida State. And um, so I was under his influence every single day for, like I said, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he was by far the most influential man in my life at the time. I mean, growing up, obviously, it was my father. And then it became my my high school coach, Roger Coffey. But then in college, you know, I really didn't have a mentor. And uh, and I, that's when I struggled the most with, in my life and made the most mistakes and went down a bad path. But, uh, you know, getting to work under Coach Bowden and a man who loved the Lord and, and lived it, you know, it was mm-hmm. absolutely his faith, his family, and then football. And I just kind of bought into everything he was, he was teaching. Yeah. Which is really surprising when you think about it from Coach Bowden's perspective, because here's a man who's, as you said, the order of things hinges on this faith, and then family becomes that secondary ring, and then football. And yet, he was massively successful as a, as a football coach. Successful coaching career it can become about self-promotion or, you know, having to stay visible with the media and these sorts of things. And, and that's even really throughout all society. I mean, even church ministry uh, can become focused on that self-promotion. How did you see Coach Bowden sort of uh, tangibly holding those things sort of in tension, really? Because the, the program was right. Coach Bowden's, right? He was also oh, yeah. teaching these other important lessons. Well, Everything was about building up the player. Everything was about blessing the player's life. Yeah. It was about, you know, helping these guys that are show up in the boyhood stage of life and helping them grow into manhood. And uh, he knew if you built a better man, then you're going to have a better team. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people think if you spend your time, you know, building these guys up as people, you're not spending enough time making them football players. And that's, right. that's just not true. Right. And uh, so he believed that and he had a bunch of men around him on that staff that loved him and believed what he was doing. And everybody was all in, you know, uh, if there's people within your organization that are subverting the ideas and the, and the ideals about how we're going to go about our business. Then, you know, you're going to have, you know, we're going to have problems when you got disobedience or yeah. within your team. If you have people that are, trying to tear it apart, you got no chance, but everybody bought in, everybody believed in him. And the, and the 
the biggest reason why is because he was genuine. He was real. He wasn't full of junk. You know, he wasn't just putting on a show. He knew, we knew he loved the players. We knew he loved us. You know, we knew he loved the, uh, our, our families and wanted us to be great husbands ourselves and, and great fathers. And so, you know, it was just a wonderful time. And, and like you say, not only do we have that type of head coach, but we went 14 years in a row in the top four in the country. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we won a massive amount of games, including a couple of national championships. It really is unbelievable. You know, in tr- transitioning from FSU and Coach Bowden to your own head coaching model and style, I mean, how did you walk out that balance of being the head figure guy, right. but also kind of being a, a humble disciple of Christ at the same time? Well, uh, the bottom line was I had really only been to one place as a coach, Florida State. I did, I did spend one season at East Carolina University in the middle of that 15-year stint. But, um, you know, I was only under, only under one regime, so to speak. I was only right. under one leader. Yeah. And so I didn't have six places to draw from and take a bit of this and take a bit of that. All I knew was the Coach Bowden way and the, and the Florida State way. So, and it was, as we mentioned, highly successful. for the. So it didn't make sense for me to try to change much. <laughs> right. And uh, when Don't it came fix it to, if it ain't broke. Right. And, and you know, so... You know, one of the things we did at Florida State was every day we'd start our our day with a uh, staff meeting. And before the staff meeting began, we always had a, a, a devotional time. And every coach in the room had a chance to, you know, say something inspirational. But we would always end in prayer and uh, and ask God to help us because we, we knew as good of coaches as we thought we were and as smart and as strong as we thought we were, we knew that our our strength, would give out at times. We knew our knowledge would give out and we knew we needed help from God to have success. And, and so, you know, I kept that same pattern, you know, with our staff every morning. And the other thing coach Bowden did was talking to the staff. Yeah. So when are you going to see your children? And he's like, I'm not, I don't mean once a week. I'm talking about every day. Yeah. When are you going to see your children? Is it going to be in the morning or is it going to be in the dinner time before they go to bed? So mm-hmm. we all chose to see our children in the morning and, uh, and then start staff meeting at 8.30. So I got up every day with my kids. We had breakfast together. We had a devotion together. I drove them to school every day so they could drive themselves. And uh, it started that way at Florida State, and I did the same thing at Georgia for my, not only myself and my family, but for our coaches and their families as well. Yeah. And would you say that that key to sort of balancing life really balancing work and family was sort of a commitment because, I mean, I think about it in terms of coaching right. profession. I mean, you're recruiting, you're coaching, you're planning, you're, I mean, even right. fundraising and all those things involved. That's massively demanding of your time, even in the off season. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, when you have a wife, like I had in, in Catherine, she knew all those things. Yeah. She knew I had to do those things. So she wasn't back at home saying, well, dad's not here again today and Grumbling, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And, yeah. But she also knew that every minute that I was free, I wanted to be with her. I wanted to be with the kids. Yeah. And so that meant a lot to her to know that I'm not out there playing golf for five hours on a day off. Right. I didn't have any hobbies. My hobby was my family. Yeah. So she understood that. And there's another little, I forgot where I learned it, but 
there was a street called Centerville Road back in Tallahassee, and it was Loop 10 in Georgia. But it's kind of the midpoint between work and home. And so when I left the house, and I'm concerned about everything in the house, as soon as I crossed that one of those streets towards work, I, I'd start focusing on work. And then conversely, yeah. when I came home from work, when I crossed that street, I put my mind with the family. So I wasn't, I didn't want to be at home and still be thinking about football. Yeah. And uh, so it was just kind of a little trick I learned. I forgot where I heard it, but it did help me, you know, get my mindset on the right thing. Uh, you know, just being, not only being there physically, but being there mentally and spiritually yeah. uh, when you're with your family. Well, and at the same time, you know, while that is, a, I think, probably a healthy compartmentalization, there's still the carrying the attitude of Christ into both of those places, right? You right. are uh, a husband and a father trying to model Christ, and then you are also a head coach or an assistant coach or whatever your role is in your vocation, and you are a right. disciple of Christ and, a, and, a, and, and modeling that as well. well. So you, you take that both places. Yeah, well, here's the deal. You know, once you're in Christ, once you accept that gift once the holy spirit lives in you and that that sin nature you're born with we just talked about the sin of adam once you become a believer that sin nature is eradicated and the holy spirit enters into your spirit Mm -hmm. and so that's who you are you can't help but preach the gospel by how you live yeah you're no longer your own really uh yeah and, and the bottom line is your children and your players they watch a lot more than they listen, you know, so <laughs> it's good. I mean, you, you could tell them things all you want, but they're going to watch what you do. Yeah. And they're going to see, you know, like they would see at practice, my children come running to me during a five minute break. Uh, and everybody, you know, and everybody having hugs and or us having family night where all the staff would bring their wives and kids to dinner and have dinner with the players. And yeah. I wanted the players to see, the modeling of men who love their wives and love their children and love the Lord above all. And so when they saw that they were attracted to it and they wanted that for themselves. And a lot of those guys didn't have that growing up and they didn't have anything to be modeled for them as far as a godly man. And so uh, that was our deal. We wanted to do everything we could to help build these players and, and then, you know, don't do anything that would hurt what we're trying to build. Yeah. Coach, we have a UGA, actually two UGA grads on our production team, and they have mentioned to me that they're not sure if it's urban legend or not, that that you sort of addressed your team and had them raise their hands, how many had uh, grown up in a home without a father, and that you talked about how your desire was for their kids to come and play for you or whoever, and them not to have to raise their hands, that they did grow up in a home with a loving father. Is that a is that urban legend or is that a, a true story or well, I don't know partial I truth? Put, I don't know if I put everybody on the spot like that, but I would say probably two thirds of all the guys we coached came from a fatherless home. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many moms in the recruiting process came to me and said, coach, I could teach him a lot, yeah. but I can't teach him how to be a man. Yeah. And would you please do that for me? Mm. I mean, we took that seriously. Yeah. And uh, we, we love those guys. And, what, and like I would tell the staff, whatever expectation you have for your son when it comes to education, that's the ex- expectation you need to have for your player. Yeah. Whatever expectation you have for him socially, that's what I want you to have. You know, the same thing you would have for your son, I'd want you to do the same for your player. 
And so, you know, we, we were surrogate fathers for a lot of these guys. Just yesterday, I get a text from a mother who made that comment to me that showed me pictures of her son who, co- who played for me with his wife and the birthday party with his kids. And the intentional father yeah. was reeking from the pictures, you know, it was like, yeah. that's beautiful. And I texted him and told him how proud I was of him that, you know, he was that kind of man. Mm. I love that imagery and, you know, sort of to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit, you know, you have had, as we've just illustrated this incredible impact on college sports, so many young men's lives for Christ. What does it look like now that you are out of coaching? What does discipleship look like for you on a, on an everyday basis? Well, I'm not going to mention the name of a player, but he's, he's everybody would know his name, but, um, I'm doing a little one-on-one discipling, actually, uh, reading Dr. Tony Evans' book, Kingdom Man, together. And uh, so we're we're doing that. But, you know, I've been doing a lot of speaking lately uh, to groups they call the Night of Champions. A lot of FCA stuff, but uh, this Night of Champions theme where they bring in football teams from around a city. There might be 16 teams locally and different churches would support each team by giving them transportation and feeding the kids. And so coaches are bringing their teams to a a church building. We're feeding them, having a guy, we call him hype man. He gets them all hyped up. Yeah. And then they turn them over to this old guy. I tell him the story of Pablo Lopez. I tell him, you know, a lot of things about the player, the great players of the past and all that kind of thing. And, just give them an opportunity to hear the gospel plainly and clearly through stories of, of uh, my life or other players' lives and, that they can relate to and just praying that either seeds are planted or, or uh, people, you know, young men come to Christ through those events. So mm-hmm. do a lot of that too. Well, and obviously you, you have this passion for the next generation to sort of borrow a phrase, what is it that drives your passion for those younger generations of, of young, young men, right. young women, kids? Well, I know this. I know that the children in fatherless homes are up against it when it comes to suicide, yeah. just behaving, drugs, guns. There's much more likely to get into all these negative things if they're if they come from a fatherless home but i tell our guys and i tell the kids that i just been speaking to recently it doesn't matter what kind of home you came from if you decide you want to break that cycle if you decide you want to love christ and then love your wife like christ loved the church to lay down your life for them and then love your children then when you when you do that, you bless your children, and now your daughter knows what to find in a man. Yeah. She's not going to be that girl that has teenage pregnancy or not as apt to be. Yeah. Your son's going to know how to treat a woman. And so your children are going to find the right kind of spouses, and they're going to bless their spouses, and they're going to have more children. So within a couple generations, you, you may bless hundreds of people just because you, one man, yeah. decided to stand up and be God's man. And uh, so that's that's what I try to tell them. And, and, and it's happening all over the place. It's, you know, there's a lot of things that aren't good nowadays, but there's a lot of good out there still. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I'm proud of these guys that do that. Well, and we're thankful for the way that you're modeling that for so many others. Coach, we talked about at the beginning, your Parkinson's diagnosis, and, and you've also suffered through a, a heart attack. And, you know, you've been through quite a lot in that <laughs> physical realm, <laughs> just out of curiosity and, you know, be as honest or, or hold back as much as you like. I mean, what were your initial responses uh, when these hardships came at you? Well, the heart attack, you don't have much time to think about it. Sure. Yep. No, nope, <laughs> that's very true. And, uh, My chest hurts. It was over. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it started, it was over within two hours, period. I mean, it was, uh, yeah. I was close to death. They uh, had me on the table, and uh, they're doing their thing and found two 100% blocked arteries, one being the uh, widow maker, they mm. call it. And mm. uh, I was conscious the whole time with my eyes closed because they couldn't put me out. My blood pressure went too low. And they actually kept the EMTs in there with the little shock machine in case I coded which is code for dying, my heart stopping. But uh, anyway, they didn't need to use that, thankfully. But, um, you know, there came a time when I'm laying on the table and uh, everything went numb and everything went dark. Mm. And uh, I thought I was on my way. You know, I thought yeah. that was the end of my life. And yeah. But the really good news, the great news, was I had peace in my spirit. Mm. Matter of fact, I had excitement. I remember saying, Here I come, Jesus, and being extremely happy and excited about it because I knew where I was going. Yeah. And uh, it was a good place. Mm. And so um, I just want to say to everybody that, you know, when you get to that moment of truth, and I'll say this too when my spirit was feeling that way, I could hear my body off in the distance still moaning and groaning, trying yeah, to breathe. Yeah. Trying to listen, you know, God makes our bodies to survive. Our bodies want to survive, but our spirit, especially if we are believers and we know where we're going, there's peace. Yeah. And I'm not saying if someone's close to death and they're scared of dying that they're not a believer. I'm not right. saying that at all. But for sure, I could tell you from my experience to have that peace in my heart when I thought I was dying was the greatest gift God could have given me. Mm. And I, I'm thankful for that. And then when it came to Parkinson's, it's one of those deals where it was just the opposite. Uh, it was a process of, do I have it? Do I not? I might, I might not. It was a matter of, you know, maybe a month or two before they finally diagnosed it. And by the time they did, they pretty much told me what I already knew. So I had a lot of time to process it without knowing that I had it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Sure. I had the chance to process the possibility of having it. And so when I finally heard that I had it, I kind of already knew, and I really did believe that it is a momentary light affliction, like the Apostle Paul said. I mean, even if it takes 20, 30 years to live through this Parkinson's thing, compared to eternity, it's like a blink of an eye. That's right. And uh, and when you know where you're going to be for all of eternity, Mm. that's a big deal. And, and And I'll just say this, too, that, you know, if you're ever to the point where you're at that moment of truth, you're on your deathbed, so to speak, there's really only one thing, only one thing that's important. You know, the bottom line is we're all going to live for eternity yeah. somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. And the thing that's most important is where are you going? <laughs> where that's are you right. going to be mm-hmm. for all of eternity? That, that's the only thing that matters when you come, when you come to the time when, when your days are over. Mm. How wonderful that you get to 
almost repeat the same message that you heard in that locker room with uh, Coach Bowden. What wonderful grace that is. Right. Well, Coach, you're now on the ACC Network's The Huddle. You're previewing and breakdowning a, a slate of ACC games for the week. You know, what's it like being on the other side of the game? Do you miss the coaching aspect and the locker room aspect? And uh, I'm, I miss some of the things, but I don't miss all of the things. Sure. The, uh, the uh, massive weight of the responsibility. And then if you add caring about everybody along with it, <laughs> you know, that was one of the things one of the veteran coaches told me. He was, Rick, do you know what your problem is? I said, what? He said, you care too much. <laughs> I was thinking that was kind of a strange thing to say, but when you do care a lot, it does take more energy and it mm. does take more emotional energy and all those kind of things too. But, mm. but I don't, I don't miss the entirety of the job, but I do miss some of the things, but doing what I do now is, is fun. I still get to work with young people. I'm, yeah. I'm the old gray hair among the 25 to 35 year olds in there. And we have a good time and entertaining people and educating people. But uh, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, you work two days a week, six months out of the year, so it's not that big of a deal. It's a good transition. Well, you've got a new book coming out, Make the Call, Game Day Wisdom for Life's Defining Moments. It releases August 31st. Tell us a little bit about why you wrote this book. Who's it for? Well, uh, the bottom line is there's going to be a lot of fun with the book, uh, just hearing about some of the greatest plays and greatest games and some of the not so great plays and not so great games. And depending on who you cheer for, right? That's right. Well, that's true. But you know, I mean, there'll be some, some of the stories will just be me admitting some of the stupid things I did, you know, (laughs) and and some of the bad decisions I made. But, um, but in the end, um, I'm going to ask the reader, you know, make the calls kind of a, Play on words where yeah. a coach who's calling plays makes a call every 40 seconds. Mm. You know, in the game, a head coach will make all kind of calls throughout the game. And basically making the call is making decisions. And so everybody makes calls. Everybody makes decisions in life. And uh, by the end of the book, uh, there'll be that a challenge there. Every reader to decide whether or not they want to make the biggest call of all. So. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. And I would just say, if anybody out there loves football and family and faith, they'll really enjoy it. And if you have a friend who loves football and you don't know where they are in their faith, it's it's a good book for them to read and uh, decide what they, what they want to do with it. That's great. You know, people have, are obviously have concern for you. You've had massive response to the, the, the tweet we mentioned from July 1st uh, about the Parkinson's uh, diagnosis. What are the things that the, the people whose hearts are heavy for you and your family, what can they be praying for you? Yeah, I, I think, and here, here's the deal on me making it public. I, I wasn't trying to sure. get everybody to feel sorry for right. me and all that kind of thing, but it, it became more and more evident when I'm out in public that I'm just, I don't have as good a balance. I'm not moving as quickly. It's, and you get, you know, after a while you get tired of people asking the question, (laughs) you know, what's going on. And, uh, so instead of trying to tell everybody one by one, I just said, I'd get it out there and, uh, blasted it on social media. Right. And in doing so, uh, you know, a lot of people praying for me, which I love 
but also a lot of people giving me some of their thoughts on how they handled Parkinson's or how a spouse mm. of theirs handled it. And, yeah. And so there's a lot of ways to handle this disease and uh, I'm trying to weed through it all and, and find out what I think is the best way to go. So just pray for discernment as to yeah. what's the best direction to go and, and trying to uh, stay in stage one as long as possible. Yeah. I think most people who knew you, even from a distance, they knew about your faith. You've been very public about it, but, you know, posting something like that with such a clear affirmation of your faith in Christ, was there, was there any kind of response to that questions, you know, people wanting more information, anything like that? Yeah, it was, uh, it was overwhelming to, it it took about two or three days just to go through Mm. all the, uh, just text messages and yeah. phone calls and things of that nature. I haven't changed my phone number since 2001. So a lot of people, a lot of former players and coaches yeah. and just people that I've known have that access to that. And be honest with you, um, there's probably, I mean, there was thousands of uh, people reaching out through social media that I never, never got to. Yeah. I don't even know how to get to it. You know, all yeah. the, uh, yeah. Uh, the comments that people made and maybe the prayers or even ideas of how to go about taking. So it it was just too much to manage really, but I'm just very thankful for the, uh, the way people have uh, responded in in love and in prayer. And I mean, years ago, magic Johnson said he had AIDS Mm -hmm. and everybody thought it was a death sentence. AIDS was, and then he's still kicking it right now. So, You know, while we're trying to keep in stage one, maybe there'll be a cure in the meantime. So, mm. but e- either way, the the ultimate healing we know is once we uh, jettison out of these uh, fallible bodies with all mm. this sin and disease, and yeah. our spirit and the soul that's been made perfect through Christ re- gets to be united with our new glorified bodies with no sin and no disease. That's what I'm looking forward to. So. Amen to that. Um, don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> One final question, Coach, and this is a question we ask uh, most of our guests who come on. And it's, you know, you've already talked about you've had that moment of, of anticipation and excitement when you ha- went through the heart attack. So, you know, that final day does come whenever it is. We're praying hopefully well down the track. And you're standing there before God and you can ask any question you like. What would your question be? I think my initial reaction would just be thankfulness. You know, I just want to just uh, worship him and thank him for allowing me to be with him in heaven, number Mm -hmm. one. But if I had a request, uh, it would be, could I go back to the road to Emmaus when Jesus Mm -hmm. was walking with the disciples and starting with the uh, Old Testament, talk, just going through all the prophecy of him. Yeah. And I just would have loved to listen to Jesus explain to them through the Old Testament messianic prophecy of Christ to come. And uh, if I could find one place in time to be, that's where I'd want to be. Amazing. I think I would probably like to join you on that. That is a a beautiful passage from Luke 24. And uh, with that, I want to say, Coach Rick, we thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're busy with... uh, working with uh, ACC Network and 
hopefully those that are listening will have a chance to watch you on that or grab a copy of your new book coming out August 31st, Make the Call, Game Day Wisdom for Life's Defining Moments, Coach Mark Richt. Well, I appreciate uh, your time. Yeah. If you know, Hey, Coach, if you yeah. want, I'm happy to pray for you right now. If that serves yeah. you well, if you've got to run, that's fine too. But I can just, um, if no, you like, yeah. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity we have. Uh, Father, we thank you for the technology we have to have these conversations. Father, I thank you for the way that you utilized and influenced and used Coach Bowden. Uh, Father, I thank you for even the way that you used the life of, of Pablo in the way that you stirred Coach Rick's spirit opened his eyes to see the truth of the gospel and that we can now sit down and have this conversation and say we we no longer fear death, but we look forward to it because we know that it is our eternal home and we will be reunited with you, that all things will be made new, uh, and we can look forward to that day even as we face, uh, Lord, as Paul put it and as Coach Rick has put it, these light momentary afflictions that we face in this life, because Father, those things are constantly pointing us back to that this is not the way things should be, but that uh, we are created for wholeness and restoration in relationship with you. So I pray for Coach Mark. I pray for his family, Father, that you would watch over them, that as he has asked for us to pray, that you would give them discernment in the, the ways as they walk through this process, through dealing with Parkinson's, uh, Father, that you would give them a continued hope and comfort and joy and peace through all of these seasons. Uh, Father, I even pray blessings on the, the work and the vocation that he has with uh, in working in the television industry, Father, for the, the, the man that he's working with and discipling him uh, through Dr. Evans' works, Father, that that would continue to find good soil uh, and that it would be used for your purposes, for your glory, for your kingdom. And so we thank you for these things. We rejoice in these graces you give us, and we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on Candid Conversations. All right. I appreciate you. Have a great day. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It does help people to find us. And perhaps next week we will mention you on the show. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this podcast.